Hey everybody, it's Sam with Paranormal Review, and I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying Ghost Nation. I am glad that I finally got around to reviewing another episode of Ghost Nation. Um, to me, they are pretty impressive. They do things that I'm not used to seeing, I'm not used to... Um, them going, other TV shows going in to the, maybe the amount of detail and outside the box thinking, I guess. Um, I guess I should tell you guys that we are reviewing Ghost Nation and it is season one, episode three, and the episode is called The Novelist's Nightmare. Uh, it is on October 25th. Or, yeah, 25th of uh, 2019. It takes place in Manawal, New Jersey, which is fairly close um, to Philadelphia. And what it does is the show opens with the guys at a radio station getting interviewed. So we've got Jason, Steve, and, and Dave there. And Jason starts talking about how he and Steve have created UPRO. And we talked about that some, uh, if you go back to our very, very, very first episode on Paranormal Review, we do the history of TAPS and of Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation. And you find out that Jason and Grant Wilson created a almost like an association or organization uh, called TAPS, and it became extremely prop, uh, popular. Well, Steve and Jason have created UPRO, which is the United Paranormal Research Organization. And Steve explains how they are creating uh, a network across the nation um, that uses their protocols and kind of makes sure that everyone is doing research the correct way. And if they hit a snag or hit something, then they can always send it up the line or send it up the chain and get additional help from other people, including, you know, Ghost Nation themselves. And what they were doing at this radio station was they were actually being interviewed for a podcast called Paradelphia. Um, I have found it on my podcatcher, and I'm I, I'm going to, you know, have to check this out. But they were being interviewed by Doug Holgett Jr. Um, he was a local paranormal investigator that's in the area. And then Rick Preweet. Prewit, maybe is how you say it, and he is the Paradelphia podcast host that um, talks about different paranormal events. Um, from looking at that podcast, looks like they talk about different conspiracy theories and different research that comes up. Um, even looks like maybe they talk a little bit about aliens. Um, I saw where one episode on the podcast, they talked about the Mandela effect and things like that. So 
after they get done with the podcast, Doug starts talking to them about a case that he has. And he states that, you know, once he is trying to help a family that, you know, he makes them a promise that he's not going to leave them in a situation that they're uncomfortable with. And he says that he has been to see the family twice and that they continue to experience things. The dad is a horror writer, a novelist, if you uh, want to say, and that he believes that his writing in the house may be causing some manifestations or some entities, and that their 10-year-old daughter seems to be getting the most of it, that she seems to really... It needs. To, it seems to be concentrated on her. And he said that what really makes him nervous is that a closet door was forcefully ripped off of its hinges. So Jason immediately says, well, this could possibly be a poltergeist. And he explains that a poltergeist is a German word meaning noisy spirit and that sometimes they get enough energy where they could throw things around the room or move things and that in the past many have thought that they were demons and really that's not what they are today most in the paranormal community believe that it is a manifestation that is caused by an individual and usually that individual is under some kind of stress. They say it is usually um, adolescents that go through it or teenagers that are experiencing some kind of inner conflict or anything like that. Doug Dins says that the daughter is seeing an apparition of a little girl all around the property, but especially inside the house and mostly in her old bedroom. Um, Doug said that the last time he was there, he actually captured an EVP and he plays it for the guys and it says, it's me it, that was in her bedroom. So... Ghost Nation decides as a team that they'll go over to the family's home and meet them with Doug. Jason says as they are getting out of the vehicle that poltergeists are are rare. So if the family is experiencing some kind of spirit or entity and poltergeist activity that maybe is getting intensified due to the father's writing, then they need to watch out and that it could get very interesting. So then they actually knock on the door and they get to meet the Cerrito family. And when they first walk in, of course, they meet the mom and dad, the parents, and they are Mario and Charmaine Cerrito. And Charmaine 
pretty much takes control and does most of the talking while the father, Mario, kind of sits in the corner a little off to himself. And she states that they bought the house as a fixer-upper. However, within a couple weeks of actually starting some renovations, it appeared that things started getting stirred up. Um, and the dad then starts talking about how he kind of feels like when he writes his dark horror that the house feeds off of his dark energy that he is creating. Now, Summer, who is their daughter, and like I said, is 10 years old, has told them numerous times that, that she sees a little girl and that she interacts with her. She said that one time, Summer was in the bathroom. Summer screamed her mom's name. So Charmaine went up to the bathroom, and Summer told her mother that she had had a vision, and it was of a dark-haired little girl, and that she was crying, but that the tears that were running down her face were black. And the mom said, you know, it appeared that, that she just became more frightened, and that she started seeing like a dark mist or a dark cloud hover over her in her bedroom and the main thing that happened in her bedroom that one time while she was collaring in the floor she felt like she was punched in her back and then she started hearing some creaking noises and she immediately yelled for her mother. Charmaine said that she hurried up and was running in the room and that the closet door, um, Summer said, had started to fall on her and her mom ran in and caught the door. Summer believes that there's someone trying to to harm her. And Charmaine says that Summer has also seen a man in the backyard by a tree. Now, I guess as I'm sitting here listening to this and and I've, you know, made no secret as you guys have uh, listened to different episodes of different um, TV shows that, that I'm kind of skeptical by nature. This isn't really coming together for me. Um, this family doesn't really go into extreme detail. Um, I feel like Jason and, and Dave and Steve were kind of allowing them to talk and tell them what they wanted to know. I did want them to follow up and ask questions, such as, you know, since Di believes that it, it that his writing that is causing it, that, you know, was he writing at the time that this closet door almost fell on his daughter? And if he truly believes that it is his writing causing it, then why is he continuing to write? 
why is why is he continuing to do this to his family? Why doesn't he go somewhere else to do it, or do it when they're not in the home where where they may get hurt or experience things? And so I don't I don't know that I understand. Um, I also, just to be honest with you, from watching Charmaine kind of tell us the different stories, I don't believe her. I, I don't get a feeling that she's emotional or, or that she's upset about this. They haven't said how long they've lived in this house, but I'm almost already thinking, you know, your child's 10 years old. If this started three years ago, your child would have been seven. Well, it probably wasn't a poltergeist. Um, you know, from listening to Grant Wilson talk about them, listening to now Jason talk about them, um, seven-year-olds don't usually manifest that. So if they've lived there 10 years and they've experienced things for 10 years, you know, she would have been a baby. She wouldn't have been manifesting that. And it doesn't appear that Charmaine was stressed or out of control or frustrated or anything like that, that she could be creating it. And I told you that Dad's extremely laid back and easygoing and doesn't talk a lot and shy. And so they're just not portraying a family that even remotely could be a poltergeist family. Uh, as far as spirits and entities, I don't know. They're not really mentioning that. Um, they talk about her seeing a man in the backyard, which I guess could be a spirit or an entity. But it just, I don't know. It Something doesn't appear right to me. And so then they start talking about the living room, and how Charmaine has seen shadow people go up and down the stairs, and that Mario has experienced things down in the basement, like different toys going off at different times, and and he how he ran out of there because, you know, it frightened him. Um, Charmaine said that they really needed to call someone to put an end to all of this. So I'm I'm kind of assuming that's when Doug kind of come into play. So, since he's been out there twice, and, you know, usually if something's done, you wait a little while to see if it calms down or anything. So, this all hasn't happened in two weeks. This, you know, this has been ongoing, and like I said, they don't seem extremely upset about it. The most upset that Charlemagne got uh, was when she very next said that Summer won't sleep in her bedroom now, and so that they had to switch, and her old bedroom is now an office, and they had to put her in a different room. So, Jason, you know, just puts out the theory that Summer could be manifesting this herself. Well, Neither one of them didn't act surprised. Their eyes didn't widen. Uh, I even rewound it and replayed it. Um, 
they just didn't express any kind of shock. Oh, oh no, my child's not doing this, or or nervousness, or scaredness, or being frightened, or anything. So it just it's not ringing true to me. So Jason then asks about you know recent activity. So Mario said that Mario. Junior, his son, will point to the basement and say there are monsters down there. And when he first said that, I thought, oh, because they have a 10-year-old. I was thinking, well, you know, he's probably eight or something. And he said, yeah, he says monster, monster, and that he has filmed him doing this. Um, so they show the film. Well, Mario Jr. appears to be... I don't know, year and a half, two years old, maybe two and a half. Um, he's standing on his own. He doesn't speak very well during the in the film, and he says monster. And um, well, let me back up. Mario Senior says, "What do you see down there?" And Mario Junior turns to him and says, "A monster. There's a monster there. Look, there's a monster." And I'm thinking if he has heard his parents talk about it or uh, anything like that or watch, you know, Sesame Street or any kind of kid show that they do that and they're not seeing anything or they're not telling you that there's really a monster. Or sometimes they do hear things in their rooms or downstairs, the floor creaking, the house settling and tell you that it that it's a monster um so mario senior says that that he never sees them when his son tells him that there's a monster and that he sees him well that's because i don't think there's one there um so jason then asks well what do you think the hottest spots are and Charmaine says that she believes her daughter's old room, which is now an office, and then the backyard tree, which I found, I guess, a little shocking. Because, you know, we just two minutes ago had the, about the basement. Her self, Charmaine's self, told us about, you know, her seeing shadow people going up and down the stairs but both of them you know she doesn't choose that either one of those as the hottest spots she chooses her daughter's bedroom and then the backyard where her daughter sees a man that that neither one of them have experienced so really really unusual so jason asks you know may we go in the the backyard and kind of look around dave says he's going to go set up the command center and so it leaves jason and steve to go out and as they walk out there jason asks you know can i talk to summer about the tree and and any feelings that she may have around the tree or anything like that and they of course say yes so summer comes over and says that um a lot of times that she sees a man over by it and that sometimes he flies 
towards her, uh, that he's always pale white, and that he always disappears, kind of fades away. Um, Jason states in a voiceover that while talking to Summer that she appeared to be a normal girl, however, that, that that's usually the way it starts, and he says usually it's the conflict of an inner youth that's causing the manifestation, that there's something going on inside of them that they're thinking about or stressing over that, that causes it and that it may not come out. You know, the first time he talks and, and tries to make a connection with Summer. It's then decided that, that Charmaine will take both children, Mario Jr. and Summer, and, and that they'll go ahead and leave. But they have asked... Um, Mario kind of to stick around and later enjoy join them for an experiment that they're not going to keep him all night or anything like that but the team goes about um, setting up cameras and they want to set up every, cameras in every room that has activity Doug decides to stay and help them so you know we've got Tango Steven Jason and then Doug setting up um different kinds of cameras throughout the different rooms and making sure that they get good pictures at the command center. Um, it is then decided that Jason is going to start off by himself walking the backyard. He's going to take a full spectrum camera that can see things that he may not be able to see and that Steve and Tango are going ahead into the basement playroom. They're actually going to take a infrared camera with them as they they go down to the spin and they're going to leave Doug at command center to watch the cameras as they go out and ask some questions kind of investigate so we see Steve talking out loud um, as Dave pans the room with the, the infrared camera and talking about, you know, do you want to play with the toys that he is willing to play with someone, you know, if they're willing to play with the toys. And Jason, in the meantime, is in the backyard talking about how he has a device that will allow him to see anybody if they choose to come out that it you know like I said that it's full spectrum and that it can see different spectrums that we can't always see ourselves well at 11:42 p.m. we see Jason hearing thunder um and fairly loud well, they immediately switch to Tango and Steve, who are down, still down in the basement. And Steve says that he saw a toy that was on top of another toy. And I'll try to describe it to you. There's a, a bookshelf that has, I don't know, four or five different shelves. There's all kinds of um, electronic toys on there, uh, different cars. And there's cars stacked upon other cars and and figures and are stacked up on, on on top of other figures. So Steve explains that he 
thought that he saw a toy move. Um, they did not catch it on, on camera, but that a toy obviously had fell and hit some other toys uh, because it was on top of it that it slid off and it caused about four or five toys to go off. Well, that makes sense because, like I said, Jason had just heard thunder and obviously lightning had hit somewhere and that may have caused a vibration which could have allowed you know one of the toys to move and the movement knocked it off the top of another toy which caused it to hit another toy which caused it to hit another toy and you know all three four cars in the same area went off steve wonders if if this could have happened to mario and and it would have spooked him because it wasn't like a whole shelf of cars went off or, you know, an area vertical went off. It was literally just four or five um, what appeared to be cars that were kind of small in nature. And they had hit each other. He says that, you know, Ollie, that's one ex- explanation, but... the he kind of wants to continue keeping an eye on the room and maybe come down later and get after things. But at 1232, um, we see them back at command center and they're, they're talking about how now it is raining extremely hard and that they have gotten some tornado warnings. Steve offers up then that, you know, this could charge up the atmosphere and really give energy out. That, you know, Mother Nature could be creating an energy force that an entity or spirit or poltergeist or whatever could really use to their advantage. So it's at this time that they decide to send Mario in and also Doug. Uh, because they have experienced situations. They decide to send them into Summer's old bedroom, which Mario is now using as an office, to read some of his writings, his uh, dark writings that, that he keeps talking about. And they tell him that since he believes that his his writings make things get more intense inside the house that with the weather conditions that this may intensify things and the old bedroom is also where doug himself caused the evp so they want them to go together and kind of see what what happens mario decides to sit down near his desk and read his movie screenplay he makes sure to to say that and he is reading about um, a box that becomes bloody. And Doug says that, that he hears something. And Mario agrees that, that he also heard it. So, so Doug kind of goes over to the door and then ends up walking out, trying to verify and, and figure out what could possibly um, 
be causing that noise. He can't find it. When they go down to, to talk to the guys, you know, Doug admitted that he felt like he was chasing something that really didn't want to be caught or seen or, or anything. And that he never heard, you know, anything else. So they decide that they don't need Mario any longer and that he will be leaving for the rest of their investigation to stay with Charmaine and the kids and that Doug is going to continue the investigation with them but that they're calling it a night so we come back and join them at day two and this is when they decide that they're going to go to a local historical center and kind of check things out because they really didn't get any evidence the, the night before. Yes, um, Doug heard a noise, but, you know, they they don't really know. And Jason didn't experience anything in the backyard. And, and Tango and Steve, other than the toy falling off, which they could explain because of the lightning and thunder, they they really didn't get anything. So they're hoping that a visit to the historical center and speaking with Stacy Constantino, uh, who is the assistant librarian there, will maybe drum something up that they can use or that they can brainstorm and figure out what could be going on. So as they sit down at the table and they talk to Stacy, she says that there have been numerous families throughout the years that has, have lived in that area, and yes, that there have been children that have died there, uh, because Jason, that's one of the first questions he asks, is have any children that she could find died at or near the property? And she said that one family by the last name of Wood kind of caught her attention that they had a young child named Gerard um, die of diphtheria there and that he was sick for nine days according to his death certificate in 1882 and that he may fit their profile and then another family by the last name of jones um had some land and a house that bordered along the property that they were talking about and that isaac jones moved his wife and his two daughters or excuse me three daughters in their around 1911 and two out of the three daughters actually died after they moved to that property one of the daughters was two weeks old when she died but the other daughter whose name was margaret margaret jones she died at six years old and jason kind of latched on to those two particular children uh possibly being maybe the spirit that Summer was interacting with or seeing, sensing. But he also talked about how a father would feel losing his son, um, like the Wood, Wood gentleman did, and that may be possibly the spirit that Summer is seeing in the backyard 
um, kind of wandering around looking for his son or missing his son or something like that. They decide to uh, meet back later that evening and continue day two or night two's investigation. So the next timestamp we get is at 8.45 and they're at command center. Steve kind of throws out the idea that maybe they should stay in a central area. That it is a, a small house and if they do call and respond that they may be able to hear something. That that if they call out and ask some questions and they can get a spirit or entity or poltergeist to respond to them, that they'll d definitely be able to hear it in the living room, which is, you know, kind of near the stairs where Charmaine saw the shadow people and that they could hear both upstairs and, and downstairs. So they decide to do some real-time listening. Uh, Steve actually has heads on, and Dave starts off talking, introducing, you know, all of them, but also talking about both children, the, the wood child that died of diphtheria, and he talks about, you know, are you the one that was sick for, for nine days. He also brings up Margaret Jones and and talks about, are you the little girl that Summer's been playing with? Do you like to play with her? Um, they then hear almost a, a banging type noise. And Jason goes upstairs with the full spectrum camera, pans it around and doesn't find anything. Um, Dave and Steve, while he was up there, didn't hear any other noises or, or really get any, anything. And Jason's not really, you know, feeling anything. So they decide to kind of re regroup to talk in command center. It's now... 11.45, so they've been there about three hours, and they aren't getting any kind of responses. They're not getting any evidence. They're, they're not hearing anything. So Jason goes back to thinking about the backyard and says that, you know, maybe someone was buried in the backyard. Uh, maybe they need to contact somebody and explore that possibility that someone was buried back there and that they probably should just try again tomorrow because they're not picking up anything. So the team calls um, and gets a search and rescue team to come out with cadaver dogs to look around. And the gentleman that is there with the dogs, he brought numerous dogs with him, said that, you know, you have to go and stick rebar in the ground every two to three feet and kind of let air out uh, for the dogs to be able to smell. He explains to them that, you know, we as humans may have five million different sensors in our nose or as a dog may may have over 200,000 um or 200 million excuse me 
um, sensors kind of like in his nose, and that's why they can smell better than we do. So, you know, we, we see them doing that, and I think that the team was a little shocked when they were only bringing one dog around at a time, and, and Steve, you know, made the comment, hey, you know, we should probably not be back here while you guys are, are doing this. But they wanted to know why they weren't bringing all the dogs back. And the, the gentleman explained because you want to send each dog by itself and compare. Are the different dogs hitting on the same spot? And if they are hitting in the same general area, then you probably do have a body that is decomposing in the ground and everything that they don't want to take basically one dog's word for it they want they want to have several different ones hit in the same place as they finish up of course you know the guys come around and and start talking to the search and rescue leader and he says that they didn't find any kind of remains or or anything in the backyard that none of the dogs hit on any area in the backyard. So then later that night, they decide to send Doug and Tango in at 9.53. And Doug is kind of stationed downstairs at the bottom of the basement. And Tango is upstairs. He is stationed at the top of the stairs and so that he can hear anything going on. You know, um, Dave goes through, you know, again, who they are and asks if there's anyone there, can, can they make any kind of noise? And they hear a noise. Tango says, you know, I've... I feel like I hear something that's coming from the master bedroom about 10.30. And Doug agrees that, that he did hear something. So Dave goes in the master bedroom and, and is looking around and also talking and asking him to make, make a noise again. And he finds that there is basically a drawer um, stands on the um, on a table dresser and he takes his finger and moves them and Doug if if that is what the noise was and Doug says yeah yeah I I definitely think that that's what that was why and we see Tango steadying them and he comes back and tells you know Doug it's bracelets um, clanging together and they are able to move when the air conditioner is kicking on the wind is, is blowing them and making them bang together so then it's it's nothing so they decide to go back out and Jason and Steve decide to go into Summer's bedroom and and they have an EF, EMF meter, and 
Jason finds that when he puts the meter down next to Summer's bed where her head would be, um, he's getting between a 50 and a 60 rating. And immediately, Steve is really reacting. Jason, you know, puts it more towards the wall. It's going up. Um, Jason and Steve both then are starting to react. Steve's like, you can experience serious effects from that, especially if it's long-term. You know, you can have headaches and be nauseous and, and uh, have hallucinations and that that needs to be fixed immediately. And Jason totally agrees and says, let's go into our old bedroom and see kind of what's going on. So they go over to her old bedroom, and as soon as they walk in, they're in the middle of the room, and they're getting a reading of 10. And then, you know, as he steps away from the, the middle of the room, it's going up to 20 and 25. And he finds out, more towards the outlets that it's raising. They also go in Mario Jr. around his, you know, crib and bed and and they find it's off the charts in there also. And so Jason to me, being the nice guy that he is, says, you know, EF EMF ratings that high can give off magnetic energy that if there was a spirit or entity there that they could use that and become more powerful or, or get intensified. So they feel like they've came to, you know, kind of a conclusion and they're ready to share it with the family. So we see them the next day sit down and and present the different conclusions that they have and what they've ruled out and what they haven't ruled out and they talk about how they didn't find any evidence of an entity or spirit or poltergeist that you know they didn't get any evps or anything they then talked to them about how they did some historical research and what they found and talked to them about the two children that had died and how they thought then that maybe someone had died on the property and was buried in the yard. And that seemed to perk them up. They appeared to be interested. And Jason said, so, you know, we, we called in cadaver dogs. And they went all around and and didn't find anything. And you can see Mario's body language almost change as he is hearing that they're not suspecting anything or, or anything. And Jason starts talking about how he really doesn't think that Mario writing or reading his material is causing any kind of energy or causing it to intensify or anything like that. And so that leads him to talking about the electric magnetic field readings that they got and talk to them about how 
extremely high magnetic fields are present in a lot of the bedrooms and how the paranormal community takes that and that they really want to jump on EMF readings and state, oh, that that's, you know, due to a presence of an entity or, or uh, a spirit causing that. But he talks about also the scientific community and how they have came to the conclusion that they're usually generated uh, by something man-made and that they cause after, you know, being around them for a period of time, especially long periods of time, how it can cause paranoia and depression and fatigue and hallucinations and that he really thinks that that is an issue. So what he did was he told them they brought in electricians who found the problem and took care of it and that the EMF fields have significantly been lowered in the house. And then Jason explains that if they do have an entity that they were experiencing and that entity and spirit were using the high EMF to generate their power that the electrician has now taken that away, which means their power should dissipate and they shouldn't have any more issues. And I couldn't tell what whether that seemed to relieve the family or not. But Steve immediately kind of jumped in and Jason agreed with him and, and they both talked about how to give it, you know, a month or two. And if they weren't experiencing a difference, if, you know, uh, Summer was still having issues with whatever was in the home, that they needed to call them, that, that they needed to come back out. And I think what has been amazing about watching and hearing and, and watching them go through the process is you don't see very many paranormal TV shows actually doing that. Um, listening to a family and, and really not asking a lot of questions, kind of letting them guide the, the conversation, and then at the end asking it for additional information to fill in gaps and holes. So many paranormal TV investigators interrupt and, and want specific details after every little sentence. But they slowly took different areas and, and tried to rule them out. You know, they, they first mentioned Summer's Bedroom, so, of course, they they wanted to go up there, check it out, and, you know, they didn't, they weren't hearing anything, they weren't seeing anything, they weren't, cameras weren't picking up anything, recorders weren't picking up anything. They set up a camera to run all night, it wasn't picking up anything. Um, then they started checking out EMF, and they found it was sky high. You know, they went to the backyard with a full-spectrum camera 
um, Jason didn't hear anything, didn't see anything, didn't experience anything, then, you know, with historical research, maybe someone should could be buried back there. They didn't just jump on that conclusion and run with it or just assume. No, they went and got used scientific procedures and went and got cadaver dogs. They didn't find anything. You know, they've used ground penetrating radar before, not found anything. You know, sometimes you don't see other teams actually going that extra step in order to debunk. You know, Dave heard a noise. Doug heard that same noise. And they didn't immediately, you know, Tango, when he went in the master bedroom, where he heard the noise, could immediately felt a cold spot. You know, he didn't immediately jump to that conclusion. He looked around to see what possibly could have made the noise that he heard. And by testing out different things and finding out that it was the bracelet, and then finding out about the air conditioning... That's what I mean. He didn't immediately say, oh, it's cold in here. I, I feel something. He wanted to find out what he heard. And so that's what I'm saying. A lot of times, instead of putting different things together to see if they can get a picture of a puzzle, it's almost like... Um, a team, other TV show, paranormal teams, um, grab a piece of the puzzle, look at it, and because it's blue, say it's the sky. Whereas Ghost Nation is trying to take numerous puzzle pieces, history, you know, what they they find on camera, what they find on EMF, what they find on their voice recorders, what they find when they leave cameras running all night, what they, what the families, and they try to piece these together, and a lot of times, instead of that puzzle piece that's blue being the sky like the family wants it to be, they find out that it's blue like the creek or it's blue like, you know, the ocean or it's it's something completely different than what they were led to believe. Ghost Nation is willing to go down a path with you, but they're not willing to let you lead them. They're willing to go down the path as far as evidence and puzzle pieces that fit together will take them. And if they don't gather any of that, then they don't see any reason to walk down that path with you and just automatically believe exactly what you're saying. And I think that is so refreshing to me. Um, I told you before, I didn't get into ghost hunters uh when they were originally on i've i've made it up now i think i've wa- i've watched all of season one all of season two and most of season three i'm getting ready to start season four um and i can see why people were so infatuated 
you know, with it being a brand new show and, and it going about it more scientifically. Um, I wasn't aware of them having protocols and actually following things and, and everything. So this has been really enlightening to me and interesting to me that they're not afraid to debunk things. They're not afraid to say, this, this is not paranormal. And, you know, they're not afraid to remind people paranormal doesn't mean spirit. Paranormal doesn't mean ghosts. Paranormal doesn't mean alien. It doesn't mean Bigfoot. Paranormal means something that is out of our normal experiences. Something that's different. That cannot be explained. And I think some of these paranormal TV shows don't even try to explain it. So I think that's why I, I really like this episode, because they were truly trying to explain things. And I like that. I really do. Um, I don't see how you can't. But maybe you do. So if you guys do, if you disagree with me, or or you watched this episode and you hated it, or... Maybe you watched it and thought, well, they didn't believe the family from the get-go. You know, kind of like I did. I didn't believe the family from the get-go. I didn't know why. They gave me a vibe, and I I kind of ran with it. But um, maybe you feel that they did that, too. I want you guys to write me. I want you guys to talk to me. Um, you know, if you guys have any questions, comments, problems, or protests, I want you guys to feel free to write me at, at Paranormal Review Pod. Now that's singular. Uh, Paranormal Review Pod at gmail.com. Or you guys uh, look me up on Twitter or Facebook. Um, it's under Paranormal Review. And kind of talk to me about this. Um, on Twitter, I try to retweet a lot of the paranormal TV investigators, things, uh, events, uh, happenings. There's not much going on right now with the pandemic, but when they do have events or lectures or whatever, I try to make you guys aware of it. Now, the Facebook page is a lot better. I'm just going to be real honest with you. Um, People are, are still trying to do a lot of things. They're trying to do a lot of lectures and talks and everything that you guys can watch. Um, they're up on the Facebook page. Feel free to just continue to scroll down and, and see those. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this uh, podcast in your podcatcher that you're using, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever you're using. But the next thing to do is please go over to Podchaser. Podchaser is uh, asking everybody to review any episodes of any podcast that they're listening to. Give them a rating. Give them a review. I know you can do that in, in Apple Podcasts, but they are asking you to do it in Podchaser because every review that anybody does on any episode of any podcast, 
then they're donating money to the coronavirus uh, charities that are around the nation, and they're giving money away. So I'm not asking you just to review my podcast. I'm, I'm saying any podcast that you listen to, any episode, go over and rate and review that so that Podchaser can make a donation to the coronavirus charity. And like I said, I want to want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to me about this episode. And if you disagree, like I said, please get in contact with me. I look forward to hearing from you soon and also bringing you another episode soon. Talk to you later.